But so often, you and I both, and I'm guilty of this, we want to have some sort of peace before we step out and act. And what I'm saying is, in all of these stories that we see, that's not necessarily biblical. The Bible actually promotes, in many ways, courage. Stepping out, believing that the Lord is with you and will be with you. Welcome to the Trinity Presbyterian Church Weekly Sermon Podcast. Trinity is a member congregation of the Presbyterian Church in America and the Acts 29 Network. We are located in Owasso, Oklahoma. Follow us at trinityowasso.com. Also, find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Trinity Owasso. Finishing up this morning, our sermon series on gifts and calling. And we're looking at a very obscure biblical character by the name of Shamgar. A Shamgar, Shamgar was a judge. So you find him in, in Judges. And his name is mentioned twice in Scripture, in chapters 3 of Judges and then in chapter 5. But before we read today's text, I want to give you some background going into it. So the first five books of the Old Testament, Genesis through Deuteronomy, end with Moses and the Israelites on the edge of going to the land that was promised to their forefather, Abraham. After Moses, the great leader, and in wandering in the wilderness, the great leader is Joshua. And Joshua, really a warrior, leads them across the Jordan River into the land of Canaan. And Joshua and Judges, those two books, are about Israel's wars and life in the land of Canaan. And the Canaanites, there were many different groups kind of splintered throughout. But at that time, Israel had judges. They didn't yet have kings. And it went through cycles of, of rebellion from the Israelites to then discipline by the Lord of the Israelites. Then they would repent, and then God would send them a deliverer. Now, these judges, whenever you think judge, if you're like me, you think kind of an American judge, right? Someone who sits on the bench and keeps the court in order, sometimes decides guilt or innocence, but directs the jury. That's not really what an Israelite judge was. An Israelite judge, in most of the cases that we see, they were a leader, and quite often they were a warrior. So not a king that was exalted, um, but a leader and a warrior. And the fellow that we're looking at this morning, Shamgar, he was the third of the 12 judges mentioned in the book of Judges. First you had Othniel, then you had Ehud. Ehud was the left-handed man who killed the king Eglon. And then now we have Shamgar. As I lead us in the reading of this one verse from God's word. After him was Shamgar, the son of Anath, who killed 600 of the Philistines with an ox goad, and he also saved Israel. 
This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. In our discussion about calling and gifts, last week and this week, they're meant to be two sides of the coin. Last week, we looked at how God's calling and gifts in our lives are often mysterious. We looked at the calling of Samuel as a prophet. Samuel, born to, at the time, a barren Hannah. He thought he heard the voice of Eli. He didn't hear the voice of Eli. It was actually the Lord calling. He thought it was Eli. Didn't hear Eli. It was actually the Lord. Not really knowing what he was going to be called into other than service to the Lord. There's a very mysterious nature to it because like in Samuel's day, is certainly like in our day, God's not calling out verbally. And so if you get a sense of God's call, it's not going to be verbal. Like you're going to hear the voice of a friend. But oftentimes we see God calling us into particular things through the action and words of others. So sometimes God's calling is mysterious. Other times, God's calling is straightforward. It's very straightforward. And that's what we see in Shamgar this morning. Um, What we're going to look at this morning is three things. Three things. And I, I give credit to um, a retired pastor by the name of Jim Little for kind of turning me on to this. Uh, But Shamgar did what he could, where he was, with what he had. Shamgar did what he could, where he was, with what he had. So first, Shamgar, Shamgar did what he could. Now this fellow being mentioned only twice in Scripture, um, we don't know anything about his birth, really anything about his family. We don't know anything about his career, about his death. Um, we, we might infer from this one verse that he was actually a farmer and not a soldier, but he was just there. Whereas we know lots about someone like David or about Solomon, or even into the judges, we know lots about Samson. We don't know much at all about Shamgar. But that's not important to the story. We don't have to know a lot. As we look at first what Shamgar did, what he could, look at it in verse 31 there. He killed 600 of the Philistines. Now, the Philistines were among a, quite a number of groups that were in Canaan at the time. And you could imagine crossing a river, which was a natural barrier at that point, and they crossed on dry land by the Lord's providence. They crossed and they came into a land that was occupied, that was not theirs. There were people everywhere in groups everywhere. And you could imagine, if you were one of those groups, you would not want someone coming in and attempting to take your land. Right? However, this was a land that was promised 
to God's people by God himself. And I'll say this, all of the people in the land of Canaan, the Canaanites, while we might read the books of Joshua and Judges in such a way that we think, wow, God is commanding the the murder and genocide of entire groups of people, these people certainly were idolaters. But even more than that, they were, in my understanding of biblical history, quite possibly the most violent and gruesome of all the peoples. They had temples, and around those temples flowed rivers of human blood, sacrificing children to their gods. And they worshiped these gods and went from temple prostitutes with male and female to any number of horrible injuries that were inflicted in the name of and for these so-called gods. They were a blight on the earth. And so God's commandment to, for, the, for the Israelites to go in and to conquer these peoples was not to go in and conquer a nice quiet subdivision. It was something very different altogether. But Shamgar did what he could. It says, he killed 600 of the Philistines. Now, 600 sounds like a lot, right? If you know 600 people, even more than their names, that's a lot. Really and truly. But in the book of Judges, that's actually not that many enemies to kill. I said Shamgar was the third judge, the one right before him, Ehud. It said that he killed 10,000 Moabites. Samson, the last judge, at the end of his life, knocks down pillars and kills 3,000 in one instant. And Shamgar has 600. But he did what he could. He assessed the situation and he did what he could. Now, it's quite possible that Shamgar knew exactly how many Ehud killed. And whenever the moment came upon him, he, I have a hunch that he didn't say, man, Ehud killed 10,000. Like, I'm not even just, I'm not going to try unless I can get 10,001. You know, this isn't like the NCAA tournament of how many enemies you can kill. This is simply Shamgar doing what he could in the moment. He looked at the situation and did what he could. Now, for us, what does this mean? What does it mean that Shamgar did what he could. I believe that there's a very strong sense still in the church, let's say against immediate action. And I'm not saying necessarily in Trinity, I'm just saying in the church at large and culturally, 
that you, an opportunity is given and I need to go home and pray about it for a month and then come back. Now, some of those things I very well understand and some of those things, it seems excessive. Shamgar was put in this situation. I don't know what the story would look like if it said, after him was Shamgar, the son of Anath, who, after assessing the situation, went away for two months to pray on a mountaintop. And after feeling at peace with the decision to kill a number of Philistines, he came and killed 600 Philistines. I can't imagine Shamgar feeling at peace, killing 600 men. I can't imagine him feeling at peace, killing one. It's taking a life. It's not like the Israelites were bloody people. That they enjoyed killing. But so often, you and I both, and I'm guilty of this, we want to have some sort of peace before we step out and act. And what I'm saying is, in all of these stories that we see, that's not necessarily biblical. The Bible actually promotes, in many ways, courage. Stepping out, believing that the Lord is with you and will be with you. And sometimes you're right, like Shamgar. And sometimes you're wrong, like the Apostle Paul. In his prelude to the book of Romans, he says, I have attempted to come to you twice and have been prevented. So Paul, trying to be courageous, wants to go see the Romans, steps out, and God says no, and prevents him twice. The Apostle Paul knew the Lord, and he might have had peace about it, but it doesn't matter because the Lord said no. Look, God controls all of life outside of your internal emotional state and outside of mine. He controls by his grand providence. If you, let's say, are taking a trip to Florida and your transmission goes out, let's say, in Fort Worth, that's not a straight line. I just realized that. Well, the first thing is, you've taken a wrong turn, friend. (laughs) But the second is, God didn't want you to get to Florida at that particular time for whatever reason. And that reason might only be known by him forever. Sometimes that reason is clear. Other times, it's just not. What God calls us to do is what we can in the moment. If you work from home, do what you can at the moment. If you work in a school, if you're a stay-at-home mom, if you're in your bed and you can't sleep at night, what can you do in that moment? What is God calling you to? And I'm speaking about calling in a very small way. I don't know largely what Shamgar was called to by God. The text doesn't say, but in this moment, he did what he could. So Shamgar did what he could. Second, he did what he could 
where he was. He did what he could where he was. Oftentimes, we are the beneficiaries of being at the right place in the right time. One of the most excited times I got, and this is burned into my mind, I was about 11 or 12, and we went to Walmart. Um, and, you know, at Walmart, you can find everything at the time. Well, and I still do, loved fishing. You could see toys. Um, you could find all sorts of candy, and if you saved up your money and your parents let you, you could buy candy. Walking back to the car, I was um, strangely paying attention to what was going on around me. And I came upon a folded up piece of paper, and inside was a $20 bill. It is awesome. When you're five, six, 11, and 12, $20 is awesome, right? When you're 29, when you're 29 find out a 20 is pretty awesome. It's like, yes, the Lord is with me. Sometimes you're just in the right place in the right time. There's nothing that I did to make that appear. And you can think about your own circumstances, right? Not necessarily anything that you did to make them happen. Look at the text. It begins with the two words, after him. So after Ehud, who killed all these Moabites, was Shamgar. Shamgar was in the area and he just happened to be up next. There was no succession plan, by the way. It wasn't a, hey, after Ehud, whenever he dies, or whenever he gets too old, then Shamgar's gonna take over. That wasn't it. I can picture and speculate that Shamgar sees a bunch of Philistines coming, and it falls on him. Shamgar is there. He's at the right place at the right time. It doesn't say that he looked around to get help from others. He might have, or he might not have. I do know that the text says that he, or kind of using the, the, the translational phrase, who killed 600 this is what God called him to at this moment. He did what he could where he was. There's a writer, he's actually a fairly young guy by the name of Alex Fanaroff, who I believe coined the term the disease of next. And he used it to talk about millennials but this is the case with all of us. We have the disease of next. It's, well, whenever this happens, then I can do this, right? Whenever, whenever the kids get older, then I can serve in the church. Whenever the kids get out of the house, then we're gonna have the freedom to travel. Whenever the kid, whenever 
we get retired, then we're going to be able to really look at our lives and consider God's calling on us and how we might be used either in the church here in the U.S. or abroad. And your entire plans are dependent upon what happens next. When you're young, those stages come fast, right? Whenever I graduate, whenever I graduate high school, whenever I graduate college, whenever I get married, whenever I have kids, and then they become slower. It's whenever they get out of the house, whenever I retire. Are you missing what, might, what God might have for you where you are now? Maybe. I can't answer that. In the same way, I can't really answer it for Shamgar. He knew what he had to do, where he was. And then finally, Shamgar did what he could, where he was, with what he had. One of my favorite shows as a kid growing up was the show MacGyver. Do you guys know this show? Yeah, MacGyver. Do you know what, was, what I was so drawn to in MacGyver was the last five minutes of the show? Because... What happened in the last five minutes of every MacGyver was that he would take a drinking straw and a match and create a nuclear bomb that would save the world. <laughs> or someone's to, <laughs> he would do amazing things just kind of given what he had. He never had these special tools you know, Batman's on the other end. He can do lots of cool things because he has special tools, right? And I remember, and I, I remember, I did this earlier this year when I watched Batman again thinking, I could do that if I had those tools. <laughs> but I never could do what MacGyver did because I remember trying, going out into the backyard and taking a straw and a match there was no bomb. If you're ever an actor in a show like that, please just remember you were also being a role model and how many disappointed kids you're leaving in your wake. He did what he could with what he had. What did he have? He killed 600 of the Philistines with an ox goad. With an ox goad. What's an ox goad? Can you put that picture up for me, please? This is an ox goad. It's about an eight foot long stick with an iron head on it. On one end, it's pointy and sharp. On the other end, it's kind of a hook. Um, and the, the point at the end is to prod oxen with to get them to plow and the hooked end is for kind of reaching in between the plow and getting out mud clumps 
So that's an ox goad. And Shamgar killed 600 Philistines with this eight-foot thing. What does this tell us? Every word in Scripture is here for a reason. Why does Scripture tell us that Shamgar killed 600 Philistines with an ox goad? The first is that he used the tool that was the nearest and most available to him. This is why I'm inclined to believe that Shamgar was actually a farmer because he had access to this. If you were a blacksmith, maybe you'd have something else, a craftsman, something different. He took the nearest instrument available to him and he used it. And then I don't know if you picked this up whenever Nathan read from Judges chapter 5, but in verse 8 it said, At this time, not a shield or a spear was seen among 40,000 in Israel. The Israelites had been disarmed by a foreign army. They didn't have swords. They didn't have shields. They didn't have chariots. So Shamgar used what he had. I wonder, I wonder what this means for us. Many of us have moments like this, because I, I, I have them as well. Actually, quite frequently. You know, on days I got to get up here and preach. Um, it's hard to call in sick. Although, now that there's this thing called COVID, I'm going to say I've got COVID and get a two-week vacation, but I'm not going to do that. Um, for whatever reason, sometimes we think that God hasn't equipped us for the job that he wants us to do. That's not really the case. God, it says at the end of the verse, he saved Israel with a farmer, with one of these things. If he can do that, friend, he's, you've got all the tools that you need. And whatever tool that you don't have that you might need, he absolutely will give you. He is more interested in his kingdom success than you are. He is more interested in the propagation of his gospel than you are. He is more interested in having our covenant children know the gospel than you are. He loves this church more than you do. And oftentimes, we have exactly what we need, but we just don't know it. Because 10 minutes before Shamgar picked up the ox goad to use it as a weapon, you know what it was? It was an ox goad. It wasn't a weapon. 
It's a very strange thing to use an ox goad. Now, we ask, what does it tell us that he killed all these people with an ox goad? The first thing is that Shangar used the tool that was the nearest and most available to him. But what else does it tell us? What else does it tell us that Shamgar killed 600 Philistines with an ox goad? It tells us that sometimes God delivers and saves with the most unlikely people and the most unlikely tools. It's no accident that those last words are in there. And he also saved Israel with the unlikely tool of an eight-foot ox goad. What is the most unlikely tool we would ever think of to bring about the deliverance of God's people. It's the wood of a Roman cross. An instrument designed for torture and punishment. An ox goad was designed to prod oxen and clear the plow. But it was used as a weapon against God's enemies. The cross was designed for torture and punishment, but it was used as a weapon against God's greatest enemies, sin and death. There was nothing magical about an ox goad. It was made of wood and iron. There's nothing magical about the cross. It was made of wood nailed together with iron. With the ox goad, Shamgar soaked in the blood, he soaked that weapon in the blood of his enemies. But Jesus on the cross soaked that weapon with his own blood. The story of Shamgar teaches us that we don't need a deliverer who will soak the blood of God's enemies. We need a deliverer who will take that, take that ox code and turn it inward to himself. Because there is nothing that we can do to save ourselves from our sin. We could kill all of the external enemies, but friend, the biggest enemy you have is internal. And the only way to deal with that is with God's weapon of choice, the cross of Jesus. Whatever our calling is, whatever our gifts, they are subsumed and taken up into the purpose that God has for humanity. And it's central in the cross of Jesus. Let Shamgar be a reminder to you of God's greatest and most unexpected weapon.
in history. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning that you were so kind as to give us, through the writers of Scripture, by the inspiration of your Spirit, the man Shamgar. And in his two mentions, in, in, the, in the way that it mentions him twice, it points us to Jesus. Continue to do so. Help us to see our calling and our gifts is both mysterious and straightforward. Help us to see our calling and our gifts is used by you to point ourselves and others back to the cross of the Savior. And this morning, we do ask that you would take our tithes and our offerings and use them for the propagation of your gospel that Jesus, among all, may be glorified. In his name we pray, amen.